0: Episode We'll be talking about Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath in the room. I have Rob, yes, and Ben, yes. Black Sabbath is the debut studio album by the English rock band of the same name, released on Friday, the 13th of February 1970, in the UK, and on the 1st of June in 1970, in the US. The genre is heavy metal. And from All Music Review, Steve Huey Black Sabbath's debut album is the birth of heavy metal as we know it. Compatriots like Blue Cheer, Led Zeppelin, and Deep Purple were already setting new standards for volume and heaviness in the realms of psychedelic, blues rock, and prog rock. Yet of these metal pioneers, Sabbath were the only ones whose sound today remains instantly recognizable as heavy metal, even after decades of evolution in the genre. This debut album transcends its clear roots in blues rock and psychedelia to become something more. Sabbath's genius was finding the hidden malevolence in blues and then bludgeoning the listener over the head with it. Take the legendary album opening title cut. The standard pentatonic blues scale always added the tritone or flattened fifth as so-called blues note. Sabbath simply extracted it and came out with one of the simplest yet most devastatingly heavy metal riffs of all time. Thematically, the lyrics evoke visions of evil, paganism, and the occult as filtered through horror films and books. But unfortunately, much of side two is given over to loose blues rock jamming, (laughs) leading Learn Through Cream, which plays squarely into the band's limitations. For all his stylistic innovations and strength as a composer, Iommi isn't a hugely accomplished soloist. By the end of the murky, meandering canmet cover of Warning, you can already hear him recycling some of the same simple blues licks he used on the side one. But even as the seams are still showing on this quickly recorded document, Black Sabbath is nonetheless a revolutionary debut. Henceforth, Black Sabbath would forego ahead with a vision that was wholly theirs. Alright, what do we think of Black Sabbath? Hmm. 1970 self-titled debut.
1: Mm. Love it. I lo- yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's fucking yeah.
0: awesome. Yeah, <laughs> this is one of the albums that I, like, actually put on frequently. Yeah? You know? I had never heard it before. Really? Yeah. That's so awesome. Mm. Uh, the the transitions in, within each song and how they carry through, especially the opening, you know, that long, doomy, and then it starts to ramp up, and mm-hmm. like the, you know, Everything about it is just so good. The wizard starting off with this harmonica played by Ozzy. Yeah, yeah, he is the wizard, and he doing this, and then it comes in with that B, in sort of that groove, you know. That's amazing.
1: Speaking of the wizard, uh, it seems like the jury's pretty split on what this song's about. Some people think it's probably about Gandalf, and other people think it's about the dude that sold them weed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The dude that sold them weed was named Gandalf, so you're both correct. Uh, yeah, I had never heard the record before, um, I've heard a couple of tracks off of it, but, uh, sitting down, like, honestly, Side 2 didn't really bother me, I was so enamored by what had happened earlier, and, uh, after reading up on how it took them 12 hours to record this, I was like,
1: alright, <laughs> yeah. fuck yeah, Black Sabbath, that's fine. 12 <laughs> yeah. hours. Yeah. 12 they, hours. And they thought that... They thought that, that was too much time. <laughs> They're they, like, why are we here so long? <laughs> they just showed up, played their set live. Uh, there's virtually no overdubs, uh, including vocals. Uh, like the the Stormy Day sound effects, and there's some double guitars on NAB and Sleepy Village. But other than that, it's just them playing their set live with live vocals, and then they drove off to, to play like a festival the next day. Yeah, they were in sweet... No, <laughs> they,
2: they, tw- 12 hours to record... Next day to mix on the way to Sweden to go play a festival. Yeah, <laughs> just whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, if they were this good in the studio, man, that live show must have been right? something else.
0: Yeah, I can't. Uh, uh, I kind of wanted to read this this review because it does lend itself to saying, "Great album." There are some limitations with the guitar work, but then when you read like. He basically did everything like first take, yeah. maybe right, with, second
1: take, with an upside down right-handed guitar <laughs> and fake fingers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, I mean, what are you gonna do? It's awesome. Yeah it's, yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's still amazing. Yeah, I mean they they invented they invented heavy metal like officially with this and doom metal at the same time and stoner but, rock and yeah.
1: goth. It's fucking <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Seminal is yeah. this record. And there's so many, like, I was just reading the Wikipedia page, and a lot of it's quotes by Geezer, and so <laughs> I think that Geezer's making some of his own folklore, but I want to believe all the stuff he's saying. <laughs> like, he's saying, that, like, no one knows who the woman on the cover was, like, she, they met her backstage, and, and then put her on the front, and then never saw her again. No, you no.
0: <laughs> That's the, they said it was a model who they hired... Yeah, but they for, just by met her the at day. a show. No, she came to a show later, and she introduced herself and said, "I was the person on the cover."
1: How did they, how did they get in contact for her to be on the cover? Did she was she just, just buy model. that old mill that day?
0: No, no, she was just a model they hired. Yeah, okay. so you know, just
2: uh, uh, well, Geezer's you, the bassist, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, the one thing I did like and I think is true. Uh, is that he didn't know how to play bass very well, so he just followed the root notes, which turned out to make this so much heavier. Yeah. And that was, the, that was one of the magic ingredients to making metal music, was not having just a virtuosic bass guy go crazy, but actually following the roots consistently. Right. And, yeah, just added that much, uh, oomph to, uh, what Tony Iommi was doing, uh... With his limited ability and fake fingers.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah, like, Geezer was saying that he, he's not a bass player, but he did know how to play some guitar, so he didn't know how to do, like, the melodic walking bass type stuff of a bass, so he would just double in on some of those guitar riffs, and it just makes it so heavy and awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, that was, that was the missing ingredient between heavy blues rock and metal, almost. Yep. That, and so Tony's got these fake fingers... Uh, and he, he had to tune down his guitar as a necessity to give enough slack on now the string. Now he strings. says
0: that, but do it you might think just that's be folklore? I, I, I don't think. But that's it, you know, true. It, I mean, it. it does checks help. out. It yeah, would be harder yeah, to yeah. bend
1: a string with with homemade plastic fingers. Yeah. So he tuned it down so he could have some more slack, so he could bend strings better, and then that makes it heavy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> The story doesn't check out when you go up the neck, though, and you're, you know... I guess, though, yeah. It does help a bit.
1: You know another story that I love that just doesn't really check out is uh, Geezer also said, so Tony's playing this upside-down right-handed SG as a left-hander. He said, yeah, he, play- he recorded the album with it, and then shortly after that, he ran into someone who was playing an upside-down left-handed SG as a right-hander, and they just traded, they swapped guitars, it was a clean swap. Like, no, no, if you're a right-handed guitar player, there's no way you're just playing upside down lefty. There's right-handed guitars everywhere, you know? Like, they're often even cheaper. Yeah.
0: how do you feel about side two? Cause what I always think is, I do think that side one is the complete like strength. Those first three songs are like killing it. Black Sabbath, yep. the wizard, yep. then wasp behind the wall asleep in IB. And then it, and then it gets into, you know, depending on which album you have, but then it sort of gets into like, I still love it, but it does it's, feel a little front loaded. It's
1: absolutely front loaded. And I don't care, because they did, they invented heavy metal, and they did all this cool stuff. (laughs) And, you know, heavy blues rock is fine. Yeah. You know, like, I I, I thought side, uh, uh, of course I listened to the technically wrong side, too, because I listened to side two of, I listened to the American release. It's not wrong, it's just different.
2: If you haven't heard the British release of Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath, man, you've never
1: heard Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. (laughs) I listened to the American release, and there's a, a few different songs and a different sequencing. Uh, but it, but they both just go into blues rock on on the, on the backside. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. It'd be cooler all. if it was metal the whole way through, but whatever. <laughs> you yeah. Know, I'm going to give them so much slack for everything they accomplished in like four songs. Yeah. Not many. This this was not popular by critics. No, it was not. <laughs> you don't say. Uh, Lester Bangs, just like Cream, but worse. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I regret that too. And Robert Criscow. Bullshit necromancy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those are some good reviews. Yeah. And he,
1: Robert Kreska also said, he says the worst of the counterculture uh, had drug impaired reaction time, which is what makes it heavy. There's that sludginess do it. I see. Okay, yeah. so he was. Saying, he didn't like the sludginess. He didn't
0: like how it was drony, kind of.
1: He didn't like Tony Iommi's fake fingers, <laughs> which may have single handedly created a lot of this. <laughs> What's that? There's some juice harp on Sleeping Village. That's right. There is. So that's cool. There's
0: also <laughs> some wah bass. What do you think about the wah bass? Dude, I'm going to give it to him.
1: Just, just, sure.
2: Ba- bass solo. We've, it's not too long. I like It's Clif- true. I like Cliff Burton's work. That man <laughs> was always on the wah bass.
1: That and also, that bass solo... Goes directly into, uh, was it, N.I.B.? Yeah. In one take, because you can hear at the end of the solo, you can hear him turning up his amp for for the song that was coming up.
0: Yeah. I love the, the dynamic, how live it, and, you know, how it feels just like in the studio. They just, like, did it.
1: They just played their show. Yeah. So, N.I.B., I was led to believe it means nativity in black. Yeah. Not according to the band, which also them might just be them still blowing smoke. I, think it's blowing smoke. It's, I think it's blowing smoke. I think it's Twizzler Bites. Nibs. No, they said it was Bill Ward's goatee, which was pointy, like a pen nib. <laughs> <laughs> and they said they, they added the the, like the the punctuation, the periods, you know, for funsies. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Ward's pointy goatee. Well, at the
2: same time, like, there's no reason for them to step away from Nativity Nativity in Black as a uh, a concept. They're like, um, unless they they just think it's funnier to say it's billboards right. go to you. Right. So sure, yes, you are right. Yeah,
1: it's so it's probably about a, a tiny little beard. The yeah. song It's probably what it's about. <laughs>
0: is it, You think it's more about a tiny beard than than
1: Nativity in Black? Yeah, I mean, just listen to the lyrics. He's just talking about his drummer's beard like the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely no, you know, direct references to uh, taking Lucifer's hand or anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I thought the lyrics were interesting, too. because spooky? Yeah. We haven't gotten into anything that has been this sort of just straight ahead talking about the devil, have we? Other than sympathy for the devil and...
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good point. Not that I can think of, not like not like strictly oh, yeah. goth. Oh, you know the devil elements. My, like, my, my bro, the devil. Take his HP
0: hand. Lovecraft
1: shit. Yeah,
0: I mean we've. I feel like Zeppelin is always k- kind of skirting within the fantasy realm of mm-hmm. of things, but I feel like this is literally pagan, evil druid, like satanist.
1: It's a Black Sabbath
0: sort of a. Elements.
1: Yeah. So yeah. The, this riff in NIB is kind of just like a rearranging of the notes in the riff of uh, "Sunshine of Your Love." Yeah. A little bit.
0: Yeah, and I got I got hints of uh, like Iron but- Butterfly too. I mean, uh, for as much crap as we kind of gave them, <laughs> I was like, actually, you know, like the guitar tone and everything is, is pretty pretty similar. I heard I
1: mean, NIB uh, the track described as the raucous defiling of cream
0: <laughs> I like that
1: yeah I like that I did really like this
0: uh review by uh Jeff Wagner from Metal Maniacs and he said the album transfigured blues rock into something uglier found deeper gravity via mournful singing and sinister rhythmic pulse yeah it's cool which is true they they took some they took blues and they they made it into that original I, I think they actually went back into more of the Robert Johnson sinisterness of Lead Belly, Robert Johnson's, like, dealing with the devil. It's awesome. It's really cool. Everything is so good about th- this
2: album. Are you sure they just didn't find a copy of uh, Anton LaVey's uh, <laughs> Satanic Verses? and?
1: I'm sure that was there, too. Got a <laughs> just started writing shit so down. Alistair Crowley writings. Yeah. yeah. I mean...
0: I guess when they came, they did, they claimed that they were like, oh, I don't know about all this, you know, like evil stuff. Like when they started, people started showing up at their shows and being like, oh, I'm a Satanist. Like, Mm -hmm. I enjoy your music. And they kind of dismissed it. Apparently they were just kind of like, oh, this really wasn't our scene. And now we are considered the epitome of this, of like evil rock and roll.
1: Yeah. Like who who else is going to be? You yeah. know? Yeah. Like, not Derek and the Dominoes.
0: Yeah. No. But I think that they initially just thought, we're into H.P. Lovecraft, we're into, you know, like, uh, horror movies and things like that, and now it's like, oh, we are being perceived as the act, like the embodiment of anti-Christian. And no or... shit it's
2: selling albums. Yeah.
1: yeah. You don't get to pick your fans. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: But I think too they they didn't, or at least they claimed they didn't realize that it would fold out. The album would fold out into an upside down cross.
1: Whatever, dude. <laughs> that, I, I think still that's maybe some smoke being blown. Yeah. How do you not? <laughs> how do you not know?
0: I would think so that's, too. That's
1: an expensive die cut. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that. That's not just a gatefold. They had to know. Yeah. Just in their from their pocketbooks. Yeah. You <laughs> know. <laughs>
0: I just wonder, why would, they, why would they still lie? You know, like, why would they...
1: Oh, because lying to the public's fun, and they're evil. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, because they make some great stories. Yeah. Uh, I saw one other quote. I think it was a more contemporary, like, retrospective review by uh, Scott Seward. It says, uh, this is an album that eats hippies for breakfast. And I liked that. <laughs>
2: Metal <Mellow> music. Because <laughs> this it's... album's front half... Rips and the back half is fine. Is fine. Yeah, I mean, God, we've listened to some shitty blues rock, and this is much better. than oh, yeah. a lot of it. Yeah, I would listen to this a
1: Abs-
0: hundred times. Absolutely. O- over <laughs> listening to some of those other albums.
2: <laughs> Cast the out, Derek, and the yeah. dominoes. <laughs> I didn't. I did hate that but one. Away either. with you. <laughs> how about how about Quicksilver? Yeah. Cool-bree. Oh yeah, I would
0: definitely listen to this a hundred times.
2: Yeah, Birch, yeah. question for you. What album would you listen to above this? Uh, <laughs> of, Paranoid? No, of, of, the, uh, of the psychedelic and uh, rock and roll things. We Let's say from 68. What, what would you pick above Black Sabbath?
0: Yeah, we're going to have a hard time picking anything as, as being better than this right now. Enough
1: better said. or heavier? Because better is so subjective.
2: What would you rather put on? Better has nothing to do with yeah, it. Yeah, right? I guess what, what I would... I
1: mean, it's so subjective that it depends in... on my mood and how, what kind of day I'm having. Yeah. I put this on all the time, though. I mean... Oh, it tight. Yeah.
2: What if you're in the mood for some heavy music?
1: Oh, then this. Yeah. If, if, if the year is 1970, and all I have access to is stuff that's already out, and I want something heavy, it's this. So not Zeppelin two. No, I mean I, I probably I'd, also own Zeppelin Two in the scenario. Yeah. I like music. <laughs> yeah. I can listen to Zeppelin Two next. <laughs> Fine.
0: I feel like this is one of those albums too that you, you like can have an experience. Like you can go in, turn all the lights off or whatever, sit down in front of the rec- record player and just like turn it all the way up and hearing that like f- the first riff is yeah. like that entire scope of that first song introduces you to exactly what black sabbath is wants to do it, it, like that song just represents the them
1: absolutely holy and this album guitar tone alone i think is historic there's like it's like the beginning of behind the wall of Sleep. just that full stack tone it's it's just like right off the gate like oh that's metal you know like
0: uh, we'll be getting to another Black Sabbath album in, like, a couple of episodes. Paranoid came out only paranoid. a few months after this. Yeah, yeah. which is so cool. Yeah. I, w- I didn't know if they would, you know, this book is sometimes kind of cagey about putting too much.
2: Oh, Zeppelin 1 and 2 came back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, more or less, Yeah, last yeah. time we did this, so. Yeah. yeah.
1: Black Sabbath and Paranoid are so back-to-back that I think the B-side of The Wizard is Paranoid. Which would imply that they also recorded Paranoid that day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <so laughs> I don't know that to be true, but like, I, I like if it's, to think if it's it is. the B-side.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the album reached number 23 on the Billboard 200, where it remained for more than a year and sold one million copies.
2: Goddamn. Good job. Good job, guys. Yeah.
0: All right, do we need to even go around the room? No. I mean, total total positive. Listen to
1: Sabbath. Yeah, this
0: is an awesome album. Yell at your dad,
2: slam the door, turn up the Sabbath. Throw (laughs) your crappy records out. (laughs) buy yourself some Sabbath. Yeah.
0: I guess we can start discussing which Sabbath album is uh, better once we get through some of those. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool. 1970's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's turned out to be a good year so far. All right, next time we'll be talking about The Doors, Morrison Hotel. All right, thanks,
1: y'all.